Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. Welcome Thank you. to our closet. <laughs> welcome in. <laughs> Closets, not closets. <clears throat> no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I still have to and consciously say it correctly. I know. I know you do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We make you work so hard. <laughs> and happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. Yay. Yay. I wonder, my kids are off all week. Yours are not, right? Mm-mm, they go Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. So today mine get the whole week off. And I'm actually excited about it because I really hate carpool <laughs> and packing lunches. <laughs> And, uh, just like the general tasks of, um, getting them there clothed and fed and on time. It's nice to have a a week off. Nice to have a week every now and then. Yeah. Yes. I'll be ready for him to go back. (laughs) Oh, you bet your bottom dollar. I will be ready the Monday after Thanksgiving, (laughs) bright eyed and bushy tailed in that carpool (laughs) 10 minutes early, no doubt. Yeah, I think I I consider myself lucky because we live right behind the high school and basically behind the middle school. I mean, like, it's like a little bit further down the street, but so my oldest and my middle walk. And so I don't have Mm -hmm. to do anything like they get themselves out the door. I mean, I I have to get up to make sure everyone actually wakes up and leaves, but they get out the door. And then, so I only have to bring my little guy and that's like a seven minute drive from my house. Mm -hmm. And they have carpool down. So like, I'm literally back. I'm back within 15 minutes. Yeah. Drop off. I can't even. Through the line. Yeah. It takes so, me like an anyway. hour. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You came, Christy, when she was in town, she came and picked up the kids with me and was like, holy Lord. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a heck of a line. And yours, yours is a school that goes like, like it's middle school, high school, like it's all the way through. It goes all, it's K through 12. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you're not going to get a break from that school. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) No, hopefully one day my oldest will get a job and buy a car and drive the rest of them there. (laughs) Oh, that is true. That is true. Cause they're all in one building. So I'm really. Right. Yeah. That would be helpful. Hoping he gets it together. Okay. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for that for you. (laughs) I'm not trying to rush him or anything, but like. Can you drive, please? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we're very thankful for all of you guys on this Thanksgiving week. And we say it all the time, but we mean it from the bottom of our hearts. You are why we're here and we love you. So thank you. And we hope that you guys, if you are in the U.S. and celebrating Thanksgiving, we hope that you have a great day of family and food and that you overeat and don't count the calories and all that. Yes. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. That's, I do wish that for all of you. I, I don't count calories ever. It's probably my problem. <laughs> I shouldn't say ever. I'm running a 5K on Thanksgiving morning. I'd like a turkey trot or whatever. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Last time I signed up for one, I woke up and it was like 30 degrees and I rolled over and I was like, I'm not going, Emery. <laughs> Wait, he went and you didn't? <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'll run on the treadmill in the basement. <laughs> there you go. Just do it virtually. I, I do not like running in the cold. Mm-hmm. It's, it's miserable. I actually don't like running. <laughs> oh, that part I like, like but not in the cold. <laughs> So. My oldest mm-hmm. kiddo and I do it together. So it's kind of, it's a thing now. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Maybe if that was the case, well, I probably still wouldn't wake up and do it. Yeah. <laughs> you had a running partner and you totally like bailed on him. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I actually ran a 5k the other last weekend and it was freezing, like mm-hmm. really, really cold. Definitely a morning where I was not going to get up. But I had committed to this because it was Girls on the Run and I was a coach and I was also a running buddy. And I said, I could not let that those little princesses down. <laughs> so I went and Emery said, oh, good. Now we can run a turkey trot. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> doing it again. It's my one <laughs> act of service buddy. and I'm, mm-hmm, do it. You do it. Not. Mm-mm. Anyway. <laughs> So yes, thank you everyone for being here and for sticking with us and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. And if we'd like to give the people what they want, I have a case. Yes, please. And it, it's a doozy. Well, shoot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Here we go. Okay, my friends, welcome back to my channel. <laughs> Sorry, Pinky Patel, I stole that from you. I haven't watched her in forever. Anyway, I have. Why you're uh, here? I, I, <laughs> I, <were> here. <laughs> um, I have recently, and I can't remember. It was really funny. I'm surprised I didn't send it to you. I'll have to find it. Okay, carry yeah. on. Okay, this is a listener suggestion from my friend Candice who is now both of our friends. Yep. (laughs) Yes, she is. (laughs) From back in um, West Virginia. So this is a West Virginia case. We're headed to the hills. Um, Not to where I'm from. This case takes place in Morgantown, West Virginia. Hmm. Do you know Morgantown? Well, yeah. The only city everyone knows. Well, yes. So, yeah, I would know it because of that, but I've driven through and I see signs all the time, so... Okay, so Morgantown is the home of West Virginia University, Mm -hmm. and it is on this campus, well, close to this campus, that our crime takes place. For those of you who do not know, Morgantown is in the northern part of the state of West Virginia, and it's in a little nook that is near the borders of both Pennsylvania and Maryland. Mm. I tell you that because we are going to all of those states today. (laughs) So we're going to be in Morgantown. We're going to go to Pennsylvania for a little bit. We're going to go to Maryland for a little bit. We're going to talk about some things. Well, alrighty. We also are going to go back in time to 1970. So long ago. So long. 52 years ago. Shut up. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is. I also am very impressed that I did the math that quickly. Yes. I don't do math. Um, So in the 1970s, as you no, we had all the free love. We had a lot of drugs. There were a lot of serial killers in the 70s. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. 
Anyway, that's where we're going. And this is the story of the WVU co-ed murders. With an S. Well, okay. Okay. On January 18th, 1970, two freshmen named Merid and Karen went to a movie. Oh, Karen. And Merid. Oh, Karen. (laughs) There were no Karen Karens in 1970. No. She seemed very nice. Merid Ellen Malaric was born on December 31st of 1950, so New Year's Eve, in Passaic, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Her parents were, do you know that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I had to look up how to say it. Oh, you on I told you. pronunciation.com. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> so I did it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it even had, this is how it would be said phonetically, and this is how locals say it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because it's totally it. different. <laughs> so I used that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Merid's parents were Edward and Margaret Malaric, and she had one brother and two sisters, and she was the youngest. She was 19 years old at the time of our case, and she was attending WVU and lived in a dorm on campus. While in the dorm, she met 18-year-old Karen. Karen Lynn Farrell was born on April 4th. <laughs> What? <laughs> I know. I know. I know another little Aries that was born mm-hmm. on April 4th, 1951 in Crichton, West Virginia. Karen was born to parents Mario and Roberta Trujillo, but she had been adopted when she was very young by Richard and Bess Farrell. Okay. She had one biological brother that she was very close to. Both girls were beautiful, very sweet, very well-liked. They were good students. They were just college kids, 18, 19-year-old college freshmen. On Sunday, January 18th, 1970, the movie Oliver was playing at the Metropolitan Theater in downtown Morganton, which is still there, by the way. Hmm. The movie started at 7 o'clock that night, and it was a three-hour movie. It had an intermission. (laughs) Am I cute? Do you remember back when like movies had intermissions? Well, I don't know. Don't remember that. They were like smoke breaks. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> so well, one of my favorite movies is The Sound of Music and it's real mm-hmm. long. It's like three hours long and it has an intermission oh, in which you I had don't. to switch tapes, by the way, if you're watching it at home. It's cool. Oh my I'm, gosh. I'm not old. Don't worry. I'm not old. Don't worry. That's right. Okay. Okay. So Merid and Karen dressed up and went to the movie together. During the intermission, the two began talking to some friends of theirs that were sitting a couple rows behind them. And when they went back in for the rest of the showing, they all four sat together. After the movie was over, the four of them started to walk back to campus. Mm -hmm. So at this time in 1970, WVU did not offer busing or student transportation to get around town. So if you Mm -hmm. left campus, you either had to have a car or take a bus that you paid for or a taxi. But a lot of people in 1970 would hitchhike. Hitchhiked, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's what they did. It was very normal, very common. There was like a certain area called like something, Grumbald Island or something that was like in front of the campus and all the kids who were hitchhiking would go and stand on that island and people in town would just pick them up and take them where they Hmm. need to go. 
So on this day, it's very cold out. So it's January, it's 10 o'clock at night by this point. It's in the mountains, so it's cold. So after a block or two, they all decided that it was way too cold to walk all the way back to their dorms. So the two friends decided that they were going to just pay money and catch the bus. Okay. Merritt and Karen didn't want to have to pay for a bus ride, or maybe they didn't have the money. So they said they were going to hitchhike. Mm -hmm. So as the two other friends were waiting for the bus, they saw Merritt and Karen flag down a light, like cream colored sedan type car that was being driven by a man somewhere like in his forties. Merritt got in the front seat and she scooted over to the middle to sit beside the driver. Mm -hmm. And then Karen got in beside her. So they were all sitting in the front seat. Okay. So driver... And then married in the middle and then Karen. And then they shut the door and they drove off in the direction of campus. But they never arrived back at their dorm. Their roommates and friends that also lived in the dorm noticed that they were missing and they got worried. Because on campus at this time, there was a curfew of midnight. I think mm -hmm. that's true of any campus or any dorm. You have to be like in by a certain time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like Merritt and Karen to not come home by curfew because for the most part, they, they did, they followed the rules. Mm -hmm. So at around 1 15 AM, their friends called the police and reported them missing. So they acted very quickly. Yeah, that is now. Because I'd imagine if I was on campus, I'd be sleeping and not know they weren't back until the morning, you know? True. Yeah. No, they, well, you roommate would know you didn't come back. Well, I don't know. Honestly, until the I morning, know, I don't if I was know asleep, when my husband comes to bed. <laughs> yeah, if I go to sleep at midnight and they haven't come back and it's one in the morning, unless I was waiting up for them, for you know, I what think I'm they were. Okay, they were waiting okay. up. Makes yeah. sense. Okay, so the police did not take the report very seriously. They assumed the two girls were out doing college things, partying, went home with someone, whatever. They're perfectly fine. They'll show up. They're out gallivanting. <laughs> Did anybody else yes. just use that word? <laughs> Sorry. Sowing their wild oats. I don't know. This wasn't 1920. <laughs> this is uh, the 70s. My parents used to say that to me. That you're gallivanting? Don't be out gallivanting. Don't be out gallivanting. <laughs> Come straight home. What is gallivanting? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> go go on. Probably something so fun. Okay. <laughs> So there were three other freshman women from WVU that had been reported missing that night as well. And it was all similar circumstances as Merritt and Karen. And the following day, those three women were found. They were perfectly fine. So they're like, they're going to be fine. They're going to show up. But they mm -hmm. didn't. So police contacted their parents and started asking around to see if anyone knew anything about where they could be. And they found this one friend of Merritt's who said that a week or so before this, before they went missing, Merritt had written to her and she said that she was planning to take a break from school and like get away. Mm -hmm. So police were like, well, that's what happened. They just went somewhere. They ran away. The mm -hmm. two of them, they're perfectly fine. Again, they're going to turn up safe at some point, but the girls, friends and family knew that there was no way either of them would do anything like that. Like it was very against character. They would, yes. Would they leave and take a break? Sure. But mm -hmm. they would tell people they wouldn't leave people to worry. So they were very upset that the police were being so lazy about 
finding out where the heck they were. And they all felt like they were in danger and or like not okay. Mm-hmm. So a week after Merritt and Karen went missing, Merritt's roommate circulated a petition that gained 2,700 signatures. I know. Whoa. Find you a friend like Merritt's. Right. The petition asked that the police involve the FBI in the disappearance of their friends. Wow. It that's, also that's asked. Going. Yeah. Well, because they mm-hmm. were like, the local police around here aren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to come and do something. Right. The petition also asked that the university provide transportation to and from the campus so that the students wouldn't be forced to hitchhike anymore. Okay. Okay. So around this time, remember I told you everyone hitchhiked, a lot of people, but there was a lot of talk between the female students about the type of people that would pick them up, like Mm -hmm. the type of people that would pick up hitchhikers. And there were a lot of women on the campus who had similar stories about like strange men who would pick them up and they would make inappropriate jokes or comments or like in one way or another would make them feel uncomfortable. So they were worried that Merritt and Karen had been picked up by somebody like this and they had been kidnapped and like possibly harmed. Mm -hmm. So they now have this petition with 2,700 signatures. So the police are forced to do a better job and look into the disappearance. Um, An award was offered and they began taking in leads and tips. And one lead came in that the two women had been seen hitchhiking with some truckers. And so they tracked them down. They had to go to like one trucker and he said, oh, I left them here and they got in this truck and then they found that trucker. And so they finally did track down these two women, but they were not Merritt and Karen. Okay. So I was like, hmm. Nope. (laughs) It was them. They're fine. The end. No. (laughs) All right. As months went on with no sign of the two women, people began finding random items in various places all over town and in nearby towns that belonged to Merritt and Karen. So all of these items were found totally separate from one another. And they were all found in wooded areas like off the road, like 50 feet off the road, just random things. Like they found Merritt's purse, they which had a pill bottle in it that had her name on it. They found Karen's purse. They found her driver's license. They found like a compact mm-hmm. that was determined to have been theirs. They found some medications of Karen's, Merritt's glasses. They found like a, a scarf that was belonged to one of them. Just like all over the place, random, scattered, like mm-hmm. wow. one on this road and then 20 miles away, another one, you know, just, it was very odd. That's so like now, that, um, there was another story where there was a girl that went missing and her stuff Holly was Bobo. randomly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking it was. Holly Bobo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So yeah, it was like that. It was like just super random. So now the local Morgantown police are starting to think, okay. There's, there's probably foul play here because why would their stuff, like they would have their stuff if they mm-hmm. were fine. And so mm-hmm. they're wondering if they had been kidnapped and if they were scattering their belongings as sort of like a breadcrumb trail to help like police find them or right. had whoever taken them been doing that to confuse law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Either way, police were finally taking their 
disappearance serious. Which okay. about well, that's good. Time. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So state police were then called in. So the West Virginia state police are like, they're like, we need your help. So they come in to help investigate. Searches were done in all of the areas where the women's belongings had been found, but there was no sign of them anywhere. Then on April 9th, so this is almost three months after the girls had gone missing, police received a letter in the mail. The letter was postmarked in Cumberland, Maryland, which is just over the border, Mm -hmm. not far from Morgantown. And it was only signed with a triangle. Okay. The letter read, Gentlemen, I have some information on the whereabouts of the bodies of the two missing West Virginia University co-eds, Merid Malarik and Karen Farrell. Follow these directions very carefully to the nth degree, and you cannot fail to find them. Proceed 25 miles directly south from the southern line of Morgantown. This will bring you to a wooded forest land. Enter into the forest exactly one mile. There are the bodies. 25 plus 1 equals 26 miles total. Will reveal myself when the bodies are located. Sincerely, Triangle. Isn't that like also like Delta sign? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. So law enforcement follows these directions. Exactly. And they ended up in downtown Grafton, West Virginia, which is a town Mm -hmm. just outside of Morgantown. Mm -hmm. And it is actually near one of the areas where some of the women's things had been found. So some of their belongings had been found in Grafton, but there were no bodies. There were no woods. They were in downtown. So there's plenty of woods around Grafton, but where these Mm -hmm. directions led them to, no woods, no body. Okay. So then enter the woods. Enter the woods. Yes. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of woods. It's West Virginia. (laughs) No, I know, but I'm just saying the way it was worded, enter the woods. About yes. one mile. And follow directions very carefully to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strange. Okay. So then they got a second letter, which was also postmarked in Cumberland, Maryland, and it was also signed with a triangle. It essentially said the same thing as the first letter and gave the same directions. So I'm not going to read it. The only thing different about this letter was it it was said that they had better hurry because the animals are now on the move. That's a quote, Hmm. which they took to mean like, okay, the weather's warming up. The snow is melting. If there are bodies out in the woods, there could be, you know, scavengers and decomposition and all this stuff. So like, you better hurry. I wonder, sorry. (laughs) It's what do you wonder? (laughs) I'm I'm wondering about the triangle. I'm like fixated on the triangle. I don't know if Mm -hmm. you have an answer of the triangle, but in my head, I'm thinking it's like, you know, um, where they were taken, where they were dumped and where this guy is. <laughs> you oh, know, like, well, true. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that would be interesting. It's n- not it though. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So this second letter also says, which is different than the first, that the girls' bodies would be covered over with brush. So okay. that was a detail that was left out in the first one. Okay. So police, they took these letters seriously and they sent them to handwriting analysis experts and they determined that they were most likely written by a female. Oh. 
They went to Cumberland, Maryland to try to figure out who was sending the letters to them. And they also began searching basically any wooded area in and around Morgantown. So they took it seriously. They were like, we feel like that this letter is true and their bodies really are going to be in the woods. So they had massive search parties with hundreds of police and volunteers, the state police, the National Guard, um, community members, family members, a bunch of people were out. And on April 16th of 1970, so this is 88 days after Merritt and Karen went missing, their Mm -hmm. bodies were found. Okay, so they were found in a very wooded area, six miles south of Morgantown. So the directions that that were in the letters was not correct because it was 26 miles. They were found 300 feet from a road and about 30 feet from a small river. The bodies were found under a very roughly constructed tomb of stones and limbs. It's very strange. I'll post a picture of it. It's just a big mound of rocks, like literally a tomb. Mm -hmm. And the rocks they determined had been carried up from that river that was nearby. And then over the rocks, over this like mound of rocks, there were limbs and branches and like a really big tree limb that like hung mm-hmm. over top of it that it either, I don't know if it fell on them because of winter or if they purposefully put it there. So some say, some say that the shape of the rocks is a triangle, mm. but I'm okay. not sure I see it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll post a picture and you can tell me what you see. The men who found them actually like were walking in the woods and one of them started to sit down on this like stone pile to like take a break and then saw a leg. So they were very hidden. The bodies were found fully clothed in the same clothing that they were last seen in at the movie. They were even still wearing their gloves. Mm -hmm. Because remember it was winter. Mm -hmm. Merid was placed on the bottom, like belly down. And then Karen was on top of her also belly down. But shockingly, both of the bodies were decapitated. Oh, so their heads had been removed. So searches were done all over the area where their bodies had been found, but they could not locate their heads. Missing from the bodies were Merid's fur coat and Karen's fur boots. And both of them were thought to have been wearing necklaces that they always wore. And those necklaces were missing. Mm. Their bodies were too decomposed to determine a cause of death. But due to lack of blood on their clothing, it did seem that they were decapitated after their deaths. Mm -hmm. So most likely their death was related to some type of a head injury. There were no signs of sexual assault. In fact, Merid had a pack of cigarettes tucked into the waistband of her pants that were still there. Oh, okay. So it seemed like her pants never were removed because mm-hmm. the cigarettes were still there. Because of the weird circumstances of like the way their bodies were found and like this tomb thing and the decapitation, rumors started swirling about their deaths being a ritual killing or satanic cult 
situation because it's the 1970s and that's, mm-hmm. you know, that was the evil back then. Well, my mind went also, there too, just based on how they were left, but anyway. interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, because the fur coat and fur boots were missing, there were rumors about the killer or killers having like a fur fetish of some sort, which is like a real thing, apparently. Mm-hmm. But there was no evidence on the bodies. There were absolutely no leads. And so the police had no direction to go in one way or the other. And there's no sign of their heads. Mm. Five days after the bodies were found, police got another letter from Triangle. Okay, this letter (sighs) reads, it's crazy, right? Come on, Triangle. (laughs) Give us something actually real. (laughs) Right. Okay, gentlemen, I have delayed writing another letter and hope you would conclude more information by this time concerning the finding of the bodies. Since this has not substantially happened, I will send along another clue while your men are still in the area. The heads can be found from the position of the bodies by striking out 10 degrees southwest for the first head and approximately 10 degrees southeast for the second head, roughly one mile. So in a triangle. Mm-hmm. So here's the bodies. One head is 10 degrees southwest. One head is 10 degrees southeast. You are already seven-tenths of that mile. They are within the mine entrance. If you can call it an entrance, considering its condition. condition, They are buried not over one foot in depth. The ones responsible for the murders scattered some of the girls' personal effects over the general, general area, creating a pattern of confusion, making it difficult for you to pinpoint any exact location. My first two letters triggered your intensive search. Don't give up now. Sincerely, Triangle. Two. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> police follow the direction that is mm. in the letter, but the heads were not found. There was no mine. Oh my gosh. None of, none of it. What they a, did, what a however, colossal waste of time. I mean, I understand why they're is. following it. Like, you can't not because whatever. Like, what if the chances are that they, it, it, they're going to find it? But it's like, crying out loud (laughs) and i mean they wouldn't have started looking in the woods had they not got the letter that said they're in the woods Mm -hmm. right so the letters did help find them because it spurred Mm -hmm. searches but it was wrong they were wrong okay so they did get a lead on who was writing these letters now you're going to stick with me someone had come forward requesting the reward money since the letters, since the bodies had been found. Okay. The letters were traced back to a woman in Cumberland, Maryland. This woman was a member of a church, a church, I'm putting Mm -hmm. that in quotes, called Psychic Science Church. Yep. Sounds like a church. Psychic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Her family member was the pastor of this church. Now, they claimed that they had been having seances. You know what a seance is, right? Uh-huh. Where you talk to the <laughs> dead. Okay. And that they had been speaking with a doctor from the 19th century. This dead doctor spirit told them that the women were killed by two men, one of them white and one of them African-American, in a sacrificial satanic ritual. 
it was the dead doctor that had given them the directions to the bodies and the heads. And they just wrote down those directions and sent it to the police anonymously. Okay. This is what they claim. (laughs) Right. So they obviously look into all of these church members, Mm -hmm. quotes, and they were all cleared of foul play. So they had nothing to do with the murders and they genuinely believed that the dead doctor spirit knew what happened to them and they were just trying to be good citizens and help via seances. Wild. A little creepy. So we're done with the letters now. Okay. This would have been a good uh, um, collab episode. I know. It's true. Yes. Okay. So also during this time in 1970 in Morgantown in the area, there were a lot of sketchy, violent people. Serial killers were everywhere. It was just a really violent time. And so police had a lot of suspects. And when I say a lot of suspects, I'm does there are dozens of suspects. Mm-hmm. Like too many to even talk about. They're all interesting. I cannot go into all of them because there are just too many. There is a podcast, a fantastic podcast actually, that dedicated an entire season to this case and they go into very great detail about all of the possible leads and suspects. So if you're interested, go do that. Um, There was a local dentist who was like a creeper who was suspected. There was a retired sheriff who had tried to kill two female hitchhikers before and they had gotten free. And so he was suspected. There's some local sex offenders. There was a guy who uh, was a suspect that used to be a janitor at the girl's dorm. Mm -hmm. And he was very strange with women and was known to have like a fur fetish. Mm. So they thought it might be him. Police looked into all of these leads, all of these suspects, but there was never any evidence concretely connecting anyone to Merritt and Karen's murder. And so their case just went cold. Okay. Until on January 16th of 1976. So this is almost six years after the woman's murder. Police got a call from law enforcement in Camden, New Jersey. An inmate named Eugene Paul Clausen confessed to killing Merritt and Karen. Okay. Clausen was said to have been transgender and bisexual. He had been a drag queen and a sex worker, and he had mental health issues. At the time of his confession, he was in prison, had been there for two years for the rape of a 13-year-old girl and for forcing a 15-year-old boy to perform sexual acts at gunpoint. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's not a good dude. He lived in Point Marion, Pennsylvania. So now we're going to Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And at the time of the murders that... So that was only 10 miles from Morgantown. So it's like very Mm -hmm. literally right over the border. He wrote a 73-page confession. Oh. Clausen claimed that after picking up the women who were hitchhiking, he kidnapped them at gunpoint and drove them to a secluded area. He handcuffed one and then took the other one into the backseat of his car and raped them. And then he switched them. And handcuffed the other and then brought mm. the other one to the backseat and raped them. He then forced them to perform sexual acts on each other. 
He then shot them both in the head, removed their heads with a machete that he had taken from his brother's house and buried their bodies in the woods. Oh, my goodness. He claimed that he took the heads with him to show his brother, but his brother wasn't home. Oh, that's a disappointment. (laughs) Can you imagine if, like, hey, bro, looky. Look what I got. Yeah. No. Thank goodness he went out to dinner that night. Mm-hmm. And so since his brother wasn't home, he then threw the heads and the gun in a ravine nearby. Mm. Okay. So Clawson was brought to Morgantown and he was taken to the location in right over the border in Pennsylvania, where he said that he threw the heads to help police ser- search for them. So there were several abandoned mines in the area that he said that he threw them. And there were trenches. There was like a lot of places that a person couldn't go. So they used cameras and like put the Mm -hmm. cameras down into those areas to search. There were no skulls or gun ever recovered. Okay. But searches did find an animal nest, like a bird's nest that was full of hair. Like just Ooh. a bunch of hair in the nest. I know. Bird mm. I birds. Mm-hmm. I cannot with birds. So the hair was brought in for testing. It was like over a hundred hairs. And there was also a pair of handcuffs that were recovered and sent in for evidence. Because remember he said he handcuffed them? Mm-hmm. So the hairs were found to be human. And they were found to have come from two different people. At least two different people. And it was noted that they were similar to Merid and Karen's hair. But because this is in 1976, there was no DNA, so testing could not be done. I think one of the girls dyed their hair. And so they said that the hair had like the same dye on it or was similar in some way. Mm. So Clawson was given a polygraph. And he was only asked three questions. He was asked, did you kill the co-eds? Did you throw their heads in Conhill? Did you take their jewelry? Because remember, they, were, they thought they were mm-hmm. missing those necklaces. He answered yes to all three, and he passed the polygraph. So it said okay. that he was being truthful mm-hmm. that he had done all those things. Okay. One month later, Clawson recanted his testimony. And said that he made the whole thing up after reading about the women's murder in a detective magazine. (sighs) So there were some things that he said in his confession about, like, specifically the position of the bodies Mm -hmm. that were, it was incorrect. He was not right how the bodies were positioned, but the magazine articles were what he said. Does that make oh. sense? So like, uh-huh. we know that they were placed like belly down one on top of the other. Mm-hmm. He said they were placed a different way. And the way that he s- described them was the way that the magazine article described them. Okay. So it is questionable. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a little bit more why. So he went on trial in November of 1976, the prosecution brought up Clausen's confection, confession, 
the human hair that was found near where he said he threw the heads. There was a machete that his brother did own that was at his home. So they took that. The handcuffs that were found that corroborated the account of the rape. And then he does have this violent sexual criminal history. Mm -hmm. But other than that, there's no evidence. No concrete evidence. So it's all just this circumstantial stuff. I mean, his confession is pretty damning, but. Right. Because nobody saw. It had some problems. Who picked them up or whatever. So. And he did. He was of similar age. He was like, Mm -hmm. they said the person was in their 40s. And I think he was like 36 or 37 at the Mm -hmm. time. The defense brought up that Clausen's account didn't make sense because the women had not been sexually assaulted. Oh, right. So remember, there was evidence that their clothing had never been removed because there was a cigarette pack and they were wearing gloves and like they were in their clothes. Mm-hmm. Also, Clausen suffered from a disorder called Kleinfelter syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? Uh-uh. Okay. So this is when a person is born with an extra chromosome. So instead of having an XY chromosome, which is what you and I have, a person suffering from this syndrome has an XXY. Okay. So they have an extra female chromosome. Symptoms of this disorder are delayed puberty, larger than normal breasts, small text testicles, and inability to sustain an erection. So the defense claims that not only was there no evidence that these women were sexually assaulted, but he wouldn't have even been physically able to do that Mm -hmm. because of the syndrome, which I'm going to disagree with because he had already been in prison for raping people. Right. So like, yeah, he can. Yeah. But okay. Mm -hmm. Because didn't you say it makes it difficult and it make it impossible? Right. Exactly. Yes. It's it's mm -hmm. difficult to yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Also, and this is interesting. The hair that was found was determined to have been cut like bluntly, not pulled out. So like if you imagine a bird plucking it from a person's skull, it would be pulled, but it wasn't. It was cut. And a woman came forward claiming that she cut hair out of her home and that she would frequently discard the clippings in a dump site, like right near where the hairs were mm. Okay. There was also an issue that came up with timing because of like when Clausen clocked out of work and the distance that he would need to travel to get to the where the girls were picked up. And then he was back at work or back to where they could confirm somebody saw him. So like the window that he had to commit commit the murders, remove their heads, and then make this like elaborate tomb that they were found under. It was like two, he only had like two hours or something like that. Mm -hmm. A little bit over two hours. So, however, despite all of that, Clausen was found guilty of Merritt and Karen's murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Whoa. He was granted an appeal. I know I was a little bit surprised too, Mm. based on everything that I read. He was granted an appeal and was retried in 1981, but he was convicted again and again sentenced to life in prison without parole. He died in a West Virginia prison in 2009 at the age of 75. Oh, wow. 
So many people who worked on this case or followed it closely or were involved, some family members even, never believed that Clausen was the person who had killed Marin and Karen. He was a bad guy. No mm-hmm. doubt. Probably needed to be in prison. But a lot of people think that he was in prison for their murder and he didn't he didn't do it. It was somebody mm-hmm. else. In 2017, one of the investigators that worked on their case, he was retired, but he decided to reinvestigate the murders on his own. Okay. He is the one who helped put out the podcast that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And he also helped write a book that was based on the podcast. So they did the podcast and then there was a book that was based on it. Okay. Okay. The podcast name, it's um, Appalachian Mysteria, and it's season one. Okay. So they have more than one season, but the Mm -hmm. other seasons are dedicated to other cases. So this is season one. This guy, he's very interesting, very smart. I listened to the entire podcast. Um, It was great. It was well done. There's eight or nine episodes dedicated to their case. So if you have the time, it is worth it, I would say, because it's really well done. I am on the fence about who I think did it. Mm, I was going to say, I, I'm on the fence on uh, with Clausen because I just, it, I, there's not enough evidence to me. And like today, would he have been convicted based on that stuff? Like probably not. True. And I there's, am also not convinced that it wasn't more than one person. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. So, and I do think it's so interesting that they were not sexually assaulted. Like, I just can't figure out the motive of it. And I mean, just, it's very strange. Oh, also because of the, remember that petition that was filed Mm -hmm. 2,700 to get the, um, their case better investigated. So that did result in West Virginia university doing what they called a hitchhikers reform, And the school began providing bus services to and from the campus. And there were emergency phones placed throughout the campus as well. Mm. There's also a rumor, which I have heard this rumor. I don't know if it's true, but it's, it's something people in West Virginia talk about that WVU has what is called rape stairs. Have you ever heard of those? No. So they're stairs that are purposefully smaller than a regular stair so that a woman can go up them or down them faster than a man. Is that, to like give a woman an advantage. Is that like scientifically proven that if there's smaller stairs, a woman can go I don't even know if it's true. <laughs> right. I don't even know if it's true that they really do have those smaller stairs or whatever, but they're called rape stairs. And anyway, people say that WVU has that. And I had heard that before, but I didn't know that it was because of this hitchhiker's reform mm-hmm. that was related to Merritt and Karen's. Murder. Right. Hmm. And that is the case of the WVU co-ed murders. And as far as I'm concerned, it's not solved. (laughs) No. And this podcast is very clear about this is still a unsolved murder. They do not believe, even though this man was tried and convicted two times and is now dead. So he can't appeal and... Right. You know, the case is in in no way open. It's considered to be a closed case, but there are quite a lot of people who disagree. Yeah. And and that's why I say you need to listen to that podcast because the other suspects that they they tell you who they think it is. And there's mm -hmm. like two or three people that 
they kind of hone in on that they're like, all right, this is all the information. It's one of these, these people. It's interesting. And I don't even know that I agree with them, honestly. <laughs> like it's, but it's, I don't think it was Clausen. Yeah, I don't either. And, and, but I feel like in the eyes of the law and the eyes of the police, it is closed. So they're not looking into it. Right. No, it's just this independent podcaster person who's kind of bringing it back up. And is he, he's attempting to try and prove it. Yeah, This retired investigator is, Mm. yeah, he wants it to be reopened and he wants it to be further investigated. I did read in one source that in July of this year, so 2022, that they took cadaver dogs to the place where Clausen said the heads were mm-hmm. to see if there were any hits and there were not. Mm. Which would be, it is interesting in general because you'd think it's an area where somebody else might dump something because if you can't really get to it by walking, you might, some other people might be throwing, you know, like mm-hmm. if people aren't generally in that area because they can't walk down there. Then it would be a, a hot spot for dumping something. Mm-hmm. And I did also um, on the podcast, they talk about at the very end that there's a serial killer who was caught in the area and that he was known to take like his trophy of choice were necklaces. Mm. And remember, they believed that both of the women were missing their necklaces. And so the podcasters were trying to get a list or photos of all of the necklaces that he had in his possession to see if one of them was marriage or Karen's, mm. but that they were not able to get it as of when the podcast came out or now oh. because they would have updated if they had. So, right. When did you say the podcast came out? 2017. Okay. I'm going to yeah. have to listen to it. So there's no new news. It's very interesting. It's like I said, it's a really, really well done, smart, interesting podcast and I enjoyed it a lot. It was something that I would have listened to even if I was not doing a case on them. Um, so it was a pleasure to hear it. I liked it. Two thumbs up. Appalachian Mysteria. Mysteria. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I didn't read the book. There is a book. You can get it on Amazon. I did look it up, but the book was based on the podcast. And so I didn't see the point in doing both because mm-hmm. they were the same information. It was the same people that did it. So I just did the podcast and left it at that. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. There you have it. Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks, Candice. Thanks, Beth, for taking the time to look into that. Um, You're welcome. Frustrating because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's solved and (sighs) who knows if it ever will be so many years Mm -hmm. out now. I mean, I'm sure there's like plenty of people and players in there that are like, they're dying, you, you know, like, so they're getting old. Maybe not all. Oh. But. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> no, I'm just Got saying it. like yeah. the further out you right. get, the older people get and they start dying and like nobody can come forward. I mean, think about it. Those girls were born in the fifties. So they're, you know, they'd be in right. their, you know, eighties, seven, you know, seventies, mm-hmm. eighties. So anybody there's older. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gosh. Anyway, well, gosh, thank you for bringing that to us. Let us know what you think about that. What's your opinion? What do you think? I, I'm I like truly don't know. I don't think it was Clawson. Like I said, I think that it, my money leans a little bit more towards this like sketchy guy that 
worked at their um, dorm. Okay. But I don't know. <laughs> and I okay. don't want to say that because there's like literally no evidence. Just coincidences. Right. Yeah. So this is one of the people that um, the podcast mentions, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, truly they talk about like probably a dozen suspects and they're all okay. like, oh, well, that's weird. Oh, well, that's crazy. Like they're all feasible. Right. There yeah. Was a lot See, of crazy is, people. This then. is frustrating. <laughs> to, yeah. To me right now, because I'm like, I feel like I can't really even form um, my opinion because I don't even know the information, you know, like, I don't know, like, because clearly I don't think the guy who you mentioned did it and there's really nobody else for me to think about. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. There so really I'm, isn't though. I mean, there's just no evidence connecting anybody. He was the most yeah. likely at the time. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to go listen but to only that. because like, he confessed. Can guarantee that'll be in my ears. Great. Now I'm not going to read. <laughs> Sorry for you. I'm supposed to read this weekend, but now I'm going to be listening to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm so sorry. Anyways, well, thank you. Thanks, thanks for giving me something else to do with my time this weekend. Thank you for Anytime. researching. Thanks for Candice for sending it our way. She's sent us multiple. So mm-hmm. true, true closet sister. So yeah, we Anyways. went a lot of places, lots of states. Yeah. There were psychics, mm-hmm. there were seances, there were letters, there were shapes. Yeah, let's talk about, wait, hold on a second. What happened with those people for like Nothing. getting involved and not really having any involvement? Just It's true. Uh, they, they, were, they did nothing wrong. They thought they were doing the right thing and helping out the police and the families. And they okay. should have just said, we're psychics and this is yeah. what we believe happened. Yeah. Gentlemen, <laughs> we had a seance with a doctor and he told us <laughs> instead of like the weird, yeah, like sketchy, well, you know, it's cryptic, essentially pretending they were like in that first one, they pretended it was them that did it. No, they didn't. Nope. It felt like the way it was worded to me. It does say we'll reveal myself when the bodies are located, but it just says I have some information on the whereabouts of the bodies of the two missing West Virginia co-eds. That's it. Okay. And then it gives directions and that's it. Okay. All and right. then it says I we'll think... reveal myself when the bodies are located. Okay. I guess maybe I interpreted that like meaning like I'll reveal who I am, but cause I'm the killer, which so I read yeah. it that wrong, no? but anyway. Okay. Well, whatever. They're still weird. They should have just said exactly what, like, take this information with a grain of salt if you want, but here you go. This is what we believe mm-hmm. happened. And we wouldn't be able to live with ourselves if we didn't at least tell you how we, what right. we think. Which is essentially Period. what they said they did. They just did it very cryptically. And stupid. The dramatics anyway. of the seventies. Right. Exactly. You know why <laughs> I think I thought it was them that was like insinuating they did it because they're giving this specific information, like walk this, only a killer would know mm-hmm. walk this many feet, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Even though that wasn't where they were to me, that's somebody who's, who's done it. I right. committed this. So I know, I know so that's that's I walked I, 26 yeah. feet or mm-hmm. blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. That's why my mind went to that. Anyway. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. whatever. 
Let us know what you think about this episode, guys. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. If you did, <laughs> guys, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you were laughing at, but I was laughing at that in my head. I was um, laughing because I think I sent you on a spiral and you're not going to be okay until you solve this case. No, not. <laughs> not okay. Not okay. Yeah. I'm very frustrated. You, I think you can tell. Um, I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> bye. We were saying bye. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Like, if you like this story, um, like and review or give us a review. Please give us a review. We love hearing those reviews and seeing them. We like to post them too because it's so nice to hear from you guys. Um, and come find us on Patreon if you want extra content. You know where to find us. Link in bio. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.